This is As Relate Podcast. I'm your boy, Titus. What's good, world? This is E. And we on episode 60, and we got B. Jones with us. What's going on, brother? Yo, what's good, fellas, man? I'm happy to be here. I'm glad uh, this is my first podcast. I'm about to lose my podcast genity today. So, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. popping the cherry. Pop yeah, you cherry, me? today I become a man. <laughs> hey, that's what I like to hear, man. <laughs> we definitely thank you for coming out here, man, because we definitely want to talk to you about a couple different things. But before we get started, man, Let's talk about how me and you know each other. We've known each yes, other for please. now 10 yeah. years now, yeah. bro. Yeah. I thought about that today on my drive over here. I was like, dang, I've known you for 10 years. Yeah, I thought about that like five minutes ago when I was leaving the bathroom. I was like, dang, bro, I really done known E for like 10 years, man. I was like 16 probably when I met him. Yeah, you. first time I met him was I had I was still in college. I was about to graduate, and we used to work in a movie theater together. The movie theater I was telling you about, we used uh-huh. to work over there. And I'll never forget, like, I think I met him, like, my first day there because I was on some, like, I'm not going to be here for a while, man. I'm about to graduate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'm about to get this paper, all this and that. You know, life kind of brought me down. Like, nah, you're going to have to be here just a little bit to humble your ass. But, <laughs> yeah, where- but I'll never forget. I think it was, like, the first day in. I was like, yo, look at this goofy dude. Because he, him and another one of his homeboys, they was rocking this hairstyle that I ain't know nothing about. What was the hairstyle? It was, like, it was like curly on top. But like, yeah, we had you know like back in the day, man. Yeah, the, the curly. Hop. We had the well, it was it was curly all the way around, but you know you was a little longer at the top, if that makes sense. And then with the taper and the, the, the thought cut, man. But before it was a thought cut, you feel me? So right. So we, we was rocking it before it really became popular. They were, cause I was like, what is this? I was like, who is this? And I'm like, man, this kid. So he's teaching me how to like pop popcorn and all this other stuff. I'm mm-hmm. like, bruh. I got this kid teaching me how to pop popcorn and all this stuff. You a I, kid yourself talking right. about I was I wasn't like a kid. I was 22, 23. So I was around there. I mean, he's still I was still young, but I was Oh, a so kid, kid. you're younger than us. Yeah, 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 yeah man. Yeah. I okay. um like he had j- or like he said was about to graduate college and May. I think yeah, and I think I was about to graduate high school. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, okay. so I think you got me about like maybe four years. Yeah, probably about four years. That sounds about right. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you kind of, you were a kid. No, oh. no, 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 no. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, four, four, yeah, four. Yeah, so like, well, it might be more than that. I think our map all upped up. Yeah, how old are you? I'm, I'm 32. All right, I'll be 28 this year. Okay, so yeah. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, just, I was just like, who's this kid or whatever? <laughs> but then like, the more and more I started working there, I was like, oh, I kind of like this guy. And then he was kind of keeping me up. Put me up on game, keeping me up with the culture, because I've been out of high school for a minute. Right. So he was kind of keeping me up on there, and me and him just clicked. And he, he's a funny dude. He's hilarious. Don't don't get him started. He's hilarious. <laughs> and then, that's, but, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying oh, to get yeah. him started. But then it's also I saw like the the work ethic in this dude, like the mm-hmm. hard work in this dude. Like he is like he was young, but he was like ahead of his time too. So I respect that. Mm-hmm. And then I think we just been cool ever since, right? Yeah, man. Pretty much like used to come to the crib. You know, bust him up oh, in 2K. Yeah. We go with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that, man. And uh, just just kept in touch over the years. And then we started working out together. Mm-hmm. Um, pause. But <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I've always been a slender dude. Uh, and, and anybody who knows E, like, they probably think he's my bodyguard or something. We're walking <laughs> around, but um, started working out with him, and I, I started putting on weight and everything. So that's that's what's been keeping us going over the years. Is like, man, just you know. I'm back in town. Let's link. Let's go to the gym. Whatever the case may be. For a second, we was hooping. Yeah, um, that was <laughs> funny. We could talk about that too. We could have a whole segment about that. Um, yeah, I want to hear about E yeah. hooping. Hey, I can't imagine it. But he was like, "Look, 
I'm just I'm here to pass the ball, ball bro, and, and defend and, <laughs> and do picks and do Let the Lord use you, bro. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> just roll for everybody. Pick up, that's all I do. I just pick and roll. I pass, but I'm not a shooter, man. But I used to mm-hmm. I used to like that because it got me out and the cardio. And I, I always liked playing basketball. I wasn't great at basketball, but mm-hmm. I always loved the game. And we used to play with a bunch of our um, old colleagues too from um, the movie theater too, and that was fun. We we got into mm-hmm. some like fights, fights almost. Yeah, too, like, people yeah. were ready to quit. Yeah, man. But yeah, but um, but yeah, definitely to be honest with you, and I'm gonna say this: he's probably my favorite person to work out, hands down. He don't complain. We push each other. We know we go in, we go out. Like it's like we in sync. So if anybody I like to work out with in the gym is this guy. Oh, yeah. mm, that's what's up. That says a lot. Likewise, man. So you're, I take it you're born, are you born and raised here in Charlotte? Yes, sir. Born and raised, man. Um, West Charlotte grad. So, any okay. shout out to the Dub C. Boom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> alumni, man. Uh, it's, it's all love here at Dub C. I had a Dub C girlfriend back in the day, man. Oh, yeah, that changed your life, bro. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> How do it feel being out of, now you've been out of high school for a minute. Like I said, I met you when you was just about to graduate. How do it feel actually being out of high school and then you coaching at a different high school? Yeah. And we're going to get into that, too. Oh man, it's um, it's it's cool because I'm at that age, and you guys are too. Where it's uh, you you're you're still able to reach um the high school students uh at, at that you know at that level, so to speak. Right, like you're not you're, out of touch. but yeah. you're not like you know you're not at that same level. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like a level where they respect you, but you can still relate to them, and they feel like they can be themselves around you. You know what I mean? So um. You know, over the last few years, man, I, I've been mentoring a lot uh, up in Virginia when I was in school, started a mentoring program titled Gentlemen in White Coats, uh, which was essentially a way to get black and brown students interested in uh, medicine, even if it wasn't like to be a pharmacist, whether it's nursing or even a uh, physician or um, hospital administrators, whatever the case may be. But uh, it, it was interesting to see just how they were, and, and one of the teachers, like, if, if a student was talking a lot or whatever the case may be, um, I, w- I wouldn't really trip too much. I'm like, hey, they're fine. Like, let them do them because this is an outlet for them. I was them. I was a student that was very talkative, but I was a smart guy. Mm. So a lot of times, man, it's just like you're bored, essentially. You know, it, that has nothing to do with your uh, your academic, um, you know, performance or anything like that. So uh, just being on this side, it's very interesting to see how the students act now because I was them at one point. Right. So uh, being able to relate to them and push them to to want to do more outside of Charlotte and outside of basketball, outside of high school. So uh, that's been the most rewarding portion uh, since graduating. And that's very dope. Um, it makes me think about just a lot of people that I've met in the past that um, needed that proper guidance and were smart students, but necessarily didn't have the right guidance oh, in yeah. a lot of sense. That happens to a lot of people. That happened to me. I mean, to the degree where, you know, they tried to help hold me back plenty of times. When I was younger, my mom told me about because of me being like um, a very um, talkative kid yeah. or being like they tried to put me on drugs early. Oh, yeah. And my mom denied all that to where in the long run it, it worked out because like a lot of kids, they end up getting into that category very early and then you know, their lives be changed forever. And so. Man, I always, I always argue, like, s- teachers that say, oh, this student is talkative, he talks to everybody, he's ADHD, whatever the case may be. Man, those turn out to be some of your best leaders, most successful people, because you can talk 
to anybody. Like when you can talk and relate to anybody, man, that is a skill that you can't teach in a professional setting. Mm. Uh, being able to to manage a team, being able to relate to your team, being able to relate to your clients, customers, patients, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, knowing how to tailor your message to your crowd, man, that, that goes a long way. So for any, for any parent out there who has a kid and the teacher's like, oh, they're very talkative, embrace it. You know, now there's a time and place, you know, they have to learn how to, to uh, sift that, sift that out. But man, when it comes to communication, oh my God, like that's, that's one thing you cannot teach. So absolutely. And I I got two hot takes on it. I think it's one, it's the curriculum of what they're teaching these teachers and what to teach because, let's be honest, everybody learns in different ways, right? Mm, yeah. So when you have this standard uh, practice test and this standard way of teaching, not everybody going to, like, catch on on that or not everybody going to be receptive to that. Mm-hmm. So it's all about catering to your audience or knowing your students. Um, my second thing is, unfortunately, it is, it, it's really hard for these teachers, though, because they have to deal with a lot, with a, a, a less resources that they have, you know, the time Man, and stuff like ridiculous. that. So yeah. it's like it's it's like both of those go hand in hand. But, I mean, it's just like he said, it's just like even at work in the office, we used to have to go through these type of trainings where we had to understand the different personalities that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something like, I, I forget the name of the whole program, but it's like, if you talk to a red person, they want data. They want this right here. They want stuff done quickly. You talk to a green person, it's somebody who cares about their feelings. They want to be asked how their day is. Mm-hmm. You talk to somebody who's blue, they all about analytics, data. Like, I'm a blue person. Like, I need to know all the details. You talk <laughs> to a yellow person, a yellow person, they don't really want to talk about work. They're just that happy-go person, but they keep the morale of work. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's all about knowing who you work with. Same thing. I think maybe there should be, like, a program like that for teachers oh, to yeah. kind of understand, like, the students and the kids they're working with. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. And I think not just that, um, going into even further, do you feel like that should be something that should be a part of like police departments as well? Absolutely. Because like, if I you mean, think about that, one of, one of the two most um, lesser paid jobs is police officers and teachers, right. which are two of the most important jobs as right. well. Right. So I feel like if you bring in A, because it, it goes on both ends, it's the government's job to pay these teachers and pay these police officers more. But at the same time, um, you are given, I'm like Chris Rock in a sense he made in a joke, yeah, a joke he made on his most recent stand-up. He was like, talking about pilots, I think we talked about this, and he was like, um, he was comparing them to cops in the sense of, you you can't just have a couple bad apples. He was like, some jobs you just got to be good at. He was like, imagine if Air, American Airlines was like, well, most of our pilots land. Some of them hit mountains. Right. <laughs> like, you know, some, and it made, it was funny, but he made a point. He was like, yeah, I know it's a tough job. Like, being a teacher is a tough job. Being a police officer is a tough job. But you know what, man? Some of these jobs you just are supposed to be good at. And right. like, that comes with proper training and boosting the income of these people because they are putting their lives on the line. Yeah, right. And for the teacher, they're putting their, men, they're putting their, their their spirit on the line like being teachers that's draining oh yeah all these different personalities they got to deal with so i agree on both spectrums yeah i think it need to be uh re-infrastructure for both systems but definitely on that so back to you b my homie my good friend um we know you are a and you can correct me if i'm saying this wrong you're a pharmacist right yes sir so what got you into medicine like what got you like real interested and wanted to take part in it okay so um it's two things, man. So it's a, it's two layers, I would say. 
Um, so when I was nine, I had a, uh, or I have a younger brother who was three at the time who had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, so, I mean, you're nine years old. You don't really know what's going on. I, I just remember going to the, um, to the hospital one day. It was after, you know, so he had a brain tumor, right? So when the, the pressure from the tumor would cause him to vomit. So we would take him to the doctor and they would just say, oh, he just has a stomach virus. And then um, I remember going to a basketball game uh, on a Saturday morning. It's like I'll never forget it. Clear as day. And um, my mom was taking him to the doctor. And I remember after the game, it was our last game of the season. Everybody was going to CC's to celebrate because, you know, CC's is lit when you're uh, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad was like, hey, we got to go to the hospital. I'm like, well, you know, can we just kick it here a little bit longer? So we went to CC's and I remember like getting a plate, sitting down, maybe taking one bite. And he was like, yo, we got to go now. So we went to the hospital, man. My um, he was in a my brother was in a regular room, and then we just the doctor comes in and like come in. We got to go to the ICU. So uh, again, being nine years old, I have no idea what the ICU is. I'm just like cool, like you know what what floor is that on? So we go up there, and then they're talking all this language, medical terminology, man. Again, going over my head, but essentially saying he has a tumor. Only thing I understood was like there'll be a tube out of relieving pressure from his head, and you know if everything goes well, you know he'll be fine. But there's a possibility of death. Like that's the only word that stuck out to me. So I just remember being helpless, like as a as an older sibling, or just as a a man, right, like. Growing up, I had my father in my household. Um, just just seeing him break down, uh, that was my first time like I ever saw my dad cry. And, and me being helpless as an older brother, like I I, I really wanted to do something like uh, to help. So uh, you know, and he's fine now. Uh, he's twenty one, actually just turned twenty one. So God, you know, God is good. But that that was the start. That told me I want to do something in medicine. Then fast forward, I go to middle school, and we had a um a career day, and uh, I chose. We had to choose three uh, professions, so I chose doctor, I chose dentist, and I had to choose one more. My mom was like, just choose a pharmacist. And I was like, what the heck is a pharmacist? <laughs> right. So uh, I, that was the last one of the day. I go in there, man, and it's, uh, um, it, was a, it was a black lady uh, named Tanya Carroll, and she owned a pharmacy on the west side, man. She owned her own pharmacy uh, off West Boulevard called the Prescription. Um, no, I'm sorry, called the Medicine Shop. Excuse me. And there was another one on the plaza. I don't know if you ever seen that. You probably written by it many times, but um, I think I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Actually, yeah. So it was both of them were black owned. So um, I remember, you know, listening to her spill. She had us fill prescriptions with Skittles. So I'm filling these mock scripts with Skittles. Skittles was my favorite candy. So I'm like, heck yeah, I'll do this for a living. <laughs> and you know, she's like, you can go to school, make good money, yada yada yada. So um, I linked with her. She was actually like the aunt of a uh, one of my friends who rode the bus with me. So. Um, that summer, she let me come shadow, and by shadowing, man, it wasn't like, oh, sit in the corner and just watch what I do, but, like, literally hands-on, um, greeting the patients, man, seeing what they needed, learning how to read an actual prescription, learning how to type in a SIG, um, learning what different meds were, and uh, like like Titus said earlier, sometimes it's just having that guidance, man. Um, she took time with me, you know, to, to teach me things that I probably wouldn't have been exposed to, especially that young, so... Um, shout out to her. She actually passed away, man. Um, literally, I graduated in you know May of 2019, and she died in June. But she called me like a week before I was coming home. So she, it's like she knew, you know, she had she had been battling cancer for a while. So, but um, you know that that lady had such an impact on my life, man. That you don't know in whatever profession you're doing, the impact you can have on somebody else that's coming up. 
So um, those two things, man, my brother being sick and then her just taking the time to like really be hands on and, and teach me these things is what really got me interested in medicine. The sad thing is I'm about to halfway tear up. Like that was real deep. Like I knew the first yeah, part dope, of the story. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know this because I'm me and you friends. So I knew the first part, but I did not know that second part. But oh yeah, oh, that, yeah. that's um, I'm trying to get my composure back. But no, um, so my question, my next question to you is you said your mentor wasn't named Tanya, right? Yeah. She was black. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me like, for you to see somebody um, black to actually be in pharmacy right. and be a mentor for you, can you tell me the importance of that, that you use going forward and that you, I think that you're trying to do within the program that you're going forward with a lot of these up and coming pharmacists? Oh yeah, man. It's, um, well, first off, you don't really see a lot of black and brown clinicians. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's true. nurses, doctor, you know, like when's the last time, and now you're starting to see more of it, right? Cause people are like, Oh, I need, I want to go to black on this, black on that black doctor, black dentist, which is great. I love to see it. Right. Um, but, but coming up in the nineties, like that, w- that wasn't popular at the time. I remember I had a white pediatrician. I told her I wanted to be a doctor. She was kind of like, Oh, that's hard. You know, like, <laughs> right. but, but you're doing it, you know, yeah, what I mean? you know thanks, like, lady. Yeah, yeah. Or, right. Or they try to sway you and say like, Oh, I don't know. But I'm like, man, it's provided you this good lifestyle and I want to live that lifestyle type thing. Absolutely. Um, and so, you could have let that deter you, but it didn't. Right. right exactly. Yeah. You know, and I'm one of those people where like, if you tell me something like it's going to make me want to want to go even harder to get it. So, um, not seeing a lot of black and brown clinicians growing up and then finally seeing her that that motivated me and then um so it was her own pharmacy so she was able to kind of do some things on her own so one day I remember she um she took the day off or something and she had a guy come in and I I can't remember his name but he's probably he was probably at least 80 years old and um he's a black guy over the pharmacist and he was like one of the first black pharmacists to ever work in Gastonia. And just hearing the history, man, behind that um, motivated me as well. And then for, for you guys, like, if you have gone to school, you know, you have fraternity. So I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. But our founders, man, um, just some of the things that they accomplished in 1911, you know, back then uh, when their when race wasn't progressive, you got dentists, lawyers, uh military sergeants, things like that, um, seeing just how great our culture was, it, it just pushed me to say, like, man, I got to I gotta let people know that we're still here. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I was starting to feel like everybody, and even now, man, I still get it. Like, uh, when I'm at work and they're like, can I speak to the pharmacist? I walk out, and they're looking at me up and down, looking at my name badge, like, yeah, I'm the pharmacist. Like, what do you want me to turn around and, you know, put a smile on my face or something? But, yeah. Um, I, I think it, it's very uh, important to see it, man. It, it, one of those see it to be it type things, because if you, if you see it, you, you know it's attainable. Oh, know? yeah, absolutely. So that, that's ultimately what I'm trying to accomplish here, man, just getting these kids to have confidence. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you got people who graduate high school, and you're like, oh, what are you planning to do? You know, like I'm going to go to college, I'm majoring, you know, nursing, biology, whatever the case may be. First semester's up and it's like, I changed my major to, you know, physical education. You know, nothing against anybody that majored in physical education, but it's like, well, what happened to nursing or biology? And it's like, oh, it was hard. But no, I mean, it's going to be hard. Right. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Absolutely. Um, So just just giving them the confidence, man, um, to, to know that they are smart enough to do it. And to let them see people doing it, man. When they see people our age that are really out here flourishing, working as whatever, it lets, it gives them a sense of confidence and a sense of hope. Yeah. Mm. And that's really what people need at the end of the day is um, you're just 
you explaining your story is the perfect recipe for like being built for tough. I mean, because you had all the moments in your life from the traumatic event with your brother to um, even the little glimpse of you being younger, seeing with the white pediatrician being like, oh, I mean, it's hard to where <laughs> right. like, you know, both of those moments um, could have concaved you instead mm-hmm. of like building you up. Yeah. And you decided to go that ladder route being built up to where a lot of people go to go go to the left, man. And it, like I said, they never recover from and having those good role models is very key, very key from from Tanya. I believe you said her name, it, mm-hmm. her name to even a lot of people um, don't realize the leadership that you learn from being in a fraternity. You know, it's, it's pros to being in a fraternity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be um, like I used to wonder, like, because I have a lot of brothers that's like um, not blood brothers, but like dudes I call my brothers that are um, like alphas and like. Q dolls and, and Kappas like yourself, and I'd be like, "Yo, what is, <laughs> what is the, what is the whole story behind right, right, this?" Right, because right. you just like when you go to these parties, because I didn't go to college, I would go to NC State and visit these guys, or go to like um, St. Augustine, a little small college in Raleigh, and go visit them. And um, I would just go for the parties and be like, "Yo, man, they're getting it in." But then as <laughs> oh, yeah. as they graduate, right. you see this com- this bond and this camaraderie. Like I remember going to when they became like official. And you just see all these OGs coming up to oh, him yeah. and giving them game and giving them like money. And then later on, years go down the line, they still have this connection to where it's like, talk, like I feel like that was a stepping point for you as well, learning yeah. like the value of like leadership of a black man from that. And oh, so yeah. it's like so many things come into effect that you can grab to build that human being that a lot of people need. And so it's, it's just very dope. Oh, yeah. Very well, dope mo- hearing your story. Most definitely, man. And, and you know, like you mentioned, um, having an OG. So my dad, and then easy to tell you, my dad is is a lecturer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you, if you run into him at Food Lion, man, you better hope you have like at least fifteen minutes to spare type thing, or, <laughs> or just pretend you got a phone call coming through. But um, shout out to Mister Jones. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. You know he he try. You know he he tries to be that father for everybody because you know it's growing up, man. I. I probably was one of few who actually had my dad in the household like my real dad not like oh my mom's boyfriend my mom's new husband or anything like that like this was my mom and this was my dad and and they both poured into my life um but them also pushing me and seeing potential in me um at a young age I remember just being in the car (laughs) and my mom said like what do you want to be when you grow up I'm like I'm gonna be a basketball player right I used to hoop and um well, they, they're like, okay, well, if that doesn't work out. And I was like, I'll just be a lawyer. And, uh, you know, because that's all you hear growing up, right? Uh, so they were like, well, you hate to write and read. <laughs> <laughs> so they noticed my strengths, right? My strengths were math and science. So um, she was the one that really also I need to pay definitely homage to Mom Dukes. But saw the potential to say, like, you need to go something on the math and science route. Hence, mm. you know, pharmacists doctor dentist whatever the case may have been so um just just having that guidance actually in the household as well man can go a long way now your dad is actually in the medical field as well right yeah yeah but he's on like more of the business side so but most definitely do you think that paid uh or that played in an influence of you kind of still like sticking through with it too because i know how your pops is (laughs) your pops is like one of them guys like he makes sure you like you do everything organized on time punctual like your top, your pops is one of them guys that make sure you follow through. You think he kind of encouraged you to keep going too? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, I remember, it's probably twice in college that I called home. Um, 
first time was, man, I failed the crap out of a test, dude. Like, first chemistry test, I got a 55. I don't know why I remember that, but uh, I remember calling home. It's like, yo, I'm changing my major to business. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then he was like, nah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> that sound like him, bro. He was just like, nah, you're not, man. Um, you know, and, and uh, failure is part of the process. Um, and I and that's what any anything in life, man. Failure yeah. is part of the process. If if anybody tells you that they got to where they are without failing their line, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I once saw a post that said, "I've made so many mistakes in my life and learned from them that I'm thinking about making another one." <laughs> 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 but you know, he 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 pushed that like you know, failure is going to happen, man. You just got to learn how to eat it, deal with uh, adversity, and, and keep pushing. So, um, and he would have you know different people from the hospital like call me from like while I'm in school, um, just like, Hey, stick with it. Uh, it would be a pharmacist. It would be a doctor, it'd be whatever, like whatever needed to be done. My dad would, would do it, man. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for the parents I had and the way they, they, the way that they pushed me, man. Um, you know, I, I, I could, I could never repay them for that. And that's really all I try to do for, um, the students that I mentor now. I think you are, man. You being successful. I mean, you're not out here doing that. You ain't supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, you always like, you always there for your parents. I think you are repaying them. You might not think you are, but oh, you yeah. are. You oh, doing, yeah. Yeah. You're good dude. I always tell you that. Solid dude. Yeah. I mean, and that's the best way to repay them is just taking those experiences that they, them lessons and experiences that you got from them and being the best man that you can be. Oh, I yeah. Because money, you know, that's like trying to. That's you can't repay parents. Man. Oh yeah, never. <laughs> it's like money and stuff like that. Like that's they don't want that. They want their child. I'm not a parent, but I imagine like my mom that you know of. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that I know of. Knock on, yeah, know, somebody come knocking at the door. Like I mean, I will say this all the time, man. Like my dad get on my nerves all the time, but he tells me this every single day that he's so proud of me, and I feel like he's just like he wasn't always there, so you know I have to deal with that, but. I feel like with him, it's one of them things where he see that, you know, I thrive and I continue mm-hmm. to keep pushing and stuff like that. So for him to say he's proud of me, oh, and yeah. I know my mom used to say that too, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, all right, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my mom, and she probably like, yo, I'm glad this boy made it. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's why I was laughing, just thinking of flashing back of all the experiences that I put my mom through, the trial and error, and just – it's a different type of love with a parent that I probably won't experience unless I become one. It's oh, just yeah. like an unconditional type of love oh, yeah. where it's like through thick or through thin or, or like stupidity of that child, you know, even even the effects of that where he could have been like, you know what, all right, well, if you feel that's best, he's like, nah, stick with that. Yeah. Like, no, nah, you ain't giving up on that just because of one failed test. Like, that's life. Right. Like, that happens with life a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. Now, I do want to ask you another question. So we talked about, you know, your mentors and – your parents, what do you think about your peers now? Do you feel like some of your peers kind of help encourage you to exceed too? Like, do you have any friends that you like, dang, man, like we was in the mud together and look at where we at now? Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, and, and I definitely keep my circles tight. I, I definitely think I have, um, you know, friends who, you know, are like bros. And then you have your acquaintances. Yeah. But my friends, man, definitely holding each other accountable. Um, and you know, believe it or not, even these man, I remember coming, coming back and, and starting work out initially, um, you know, millennials, man, we're, we're so used to like a, what they call a microwave society. We mm. want things so quick, instant gratification, um, coming into work, 
and, and we're doing things that the generation before us told us to do, right? Go to yeah. school. You know, if you go on and get a master's or whatever, you go straight through. Uh, doctorate. So you got people who are graduating with master's, doctorates, whatever the case may be, by 25. I would say in between that 25 to 30 year old um, range. So you come out thinking that, all right, well, I'm more credentialed than uh, the people I report to. Uh, so I should be running this place in no time. And I remember talking to Ezel, uh, my man E. I didn't mean to call you, you governor. Good, bro. You good. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> they know me as Ezel too. <laughs> I just go by E. You good. You know, uh, I remember talking to E when I came back, man. I was like, yo, um, I, I might have been at work maybe like five months. And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get promoted. He was like, dude, <laughs> you just got there. Like, you got to have patience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it, really, you don't want to hear it from like other people. But you take it better from your friends. Yeah. So, you know, it really it really did help me to focus more on personal things instead of, like, putting all of my energy into work. Uh, so learning to exercise professional patience, man, was uh, huge for me coming out of school just because you're so used to structure. Like, when you're in school, you got a, a syllabus to tell you exactly how your semester is going to go. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know how many years it's going to take you to graduate. Uh, you know how many years or, or if you study hard, you know what kind of grades you'll make. But when you go to work, um, you don't know, like you could be working there for six months, get a promotion. You could be working two years before you uh, finally get a promotion, whatever the case may be. You don't know how that years looks. You have one, uh, end of year evaluation versus being tested periodically. So, um, I would say having friends that really helped me understand <laughs> and transition into, uh, per, like professionalism because I was in school for so long. Like I, I started late, if that makes sense, coming out working full time. Like I didn't graduate i wasn't done with school till i was 25 mm. um versus you got friends who've been working since 21 22 years old they're like dude this is normal like what you think this is like you're not about to come out and meet a, the boss out of nowhere so um definitely my friends helped me uh help keep pushing me and then they also helped me adjust to the like professional life brandon versus the student Oh man, I didn't even know I was gonna get that little shout out. I oh, was yeah, even talking man. about myself. Oh yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, he was like, dude, <laughs> like he was he was getting aggravated. I know he was, bro. But you know, it de- I definitely appreciate it. The only reason I was preaching that is because you saw how I was when I came out of because co- I was the same way. I came out of college. I thought I was gonna get a job instantly because, like he said, I think all students are probably like that. Oh yeah, I went through that whole thing of like, dang man, I did what you know society told me to do. I did great in high school. I ain't do great in college, but I made it out of college. Now, granted, you know, <laughs> part of that I was living in college and maybe a little bit too much, but you know, but I managed to get out. So I was like, you know, well, even when I was at the AMC uh, movie theater or whatever, I was like, I'm not going to be here this long. You know, I'm not going to make no friends. Like, I had no intention of being cool with any of them guys. And then, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm cool with him. Uh, one of the guys was, like, the best man in my wedding. So it's like I had Ooh, no intention dang. of, like, really kicking it with them guys. And, like, I talked to, like, most of these guys just about every day. Like, I I, so I know, right? And, that, and I had to humble myself and say that, one, I wasn't above anything. Because oh, yeah. even he know, when I was at um, the movie theater, I was a janitor before. I was there. Then I think I started working at Best Buy. So I was working at all these places. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and I was working at all these places. I was do two jobs, three jobs. And I'm like, and I was beating myself up. Like, I did everything I was supposed to do. I can't even get a, a career um within like my major what I graduated with and then once I finally did it 
I was on the same wave like him. I was like, look, I graduated college. Y'all going to pay me. And, and like, I remember. <laughs> I want to work at a movies for $70,000. <laughs> like, like, but I remember when I worked my first, like, IT job, and I was like, I literally told him, I was like, hey, you know, I got my degree. So I tried to negotiate because I came in as a con- contract worker. It actually was my second IT job or third IT job. I came in as a uh, contract worker, and I was like, nah, y'all going to pay me this. And they and I knew I had a degree, and most of them cats that I worked with didn't have a degree at all. And they kind of looked at me and was like, "No, you're gonna get this, and you're gonna like it, or you're gonna go somewhere else." Mm. So then I had to kind of be like, "All right, you know, I'm a I'm gonna play the game, but I'm gonna play the game right." And then I, I stayed there for the short t- tenure I was there, and I got my money. But then I went elsewhere because I also saw where they weren't, you know, valuing me as well. And I think me and him had a conversation about that. There's a difference from being patient, but making sure they value you right. to where you're yeah. at. Because, like, some people jump the gun way too soon mm-hmm. compared to some places don't value their employees. So you do need to know your worth. Yeah, or taking advantage of you. And a, a lot of companies have done. A lot. And a lot of companies will do, um, particularly with minorities, because oh, yeah. minorities have this um, cliche of that. You should be happy just to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to be a part of the party. You shouldn't know your worth. Especially I, I can only imagine with like somebody at levels like you, like being in like pharmacists and like doctors, they probably look at you like you should just be glad you're here. Right. <laughs> it's like what? Right. Like, no, nah, yeah. I, like, I we, just we that same you. worth as yeah. that white man or that white woman over there. Absolutely. And I think it's one of them things too where it's like when I was telling him, so okay, if you don't feel like they value you, get whatever you can while you're there. Like I was telling him, like, you know, Focus on certifications, you know, mm-hmm. get involved, know these people, because I saw that it worked for me, and I think it worked for him as well. When oh, yeah. you, The more people you know within the company, the more involved you get, and the more you invest in yourself. And when I mean invest in yourself, like learn whatever system you need to do, because constantly, just about in every industry, it always revolves. You get new technology, new ter- terminology, you get new diseases, new medications, new everything. So if you up to date of whatever – profession that you're in you're gonna always be two steps ahead in the next guy mm, yeah that's facts right there and the beauty in both of you guys' story listening because you gave a little bit of your story too with the you know i didn't know you um i know you worked at the movie theater but i didn't know you did like the whole janitor janitor thing and really i knew the best buy thing but hearing both of your stories and then thinking of myself it just reminds me of just the beauty of it not being microwavable Oh, yeah. How, how oh, yeah. people want it to be microwavable, but then when you go through that process, it's good to still cook on the oven Man. because you go through that process and then look at you guys now and you know where you came from. And it's beauty in knowing your worth and, and, and knowing the value of the struggle. Absolutely. Because you, you don't, you don't uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't take it for granted, you know? Yeah. Right. And I think it's one of them things, too, where even like, even with, as of like, anything I do now, I know it's a process, yeah. but the one important thing that I learned throughout life is consistency. We talk about that a lot on here. Me yeah. and you talk about it. It's consistency. So if you want to be the best basketball player of all time, it's all about consistency. You got to put the work 
outside of hooping. You got to put the work outside of practicing. You got to put yeah. the work. You got to shoot 100 free throws a night. Like I said, I told myself, if I have a kid, I'm that's what they're going to do. You ain't missing no free throws, you feel me? <laughs> you got to constantly be consistent. Yo, you got to stay. I can't stand that either. It's, it's free. <laughs> you feel me? Especially so, in the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll bro. never get that. Yeah. Like, yo, hi, y'all missing free throws, bro. Y'all in the pros now. And that makes me so mad. But it's all about, like, consistency, consistency, consistency. And one thing, like he said, like B said, it was very important. You're going to fail because I've been fired before. And it was one of them things I was like, what? Like, you know, you only see it on cartoons oh, and yeah. sitcoms and stuff. <laughs> like, they'd be like, you're fired. I'd be like, oh, word. You know, you, you <laughs> as a kid, you're like, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when you see it happen to you, and it was funny because he know the guy who um, me and him got fired at the same time. You know what I'm talking you about. You and B did? No, nah, not him. He is a friend that lived in his neighborhood. He knows who oh, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Me, <laughs> me and the dude went to work, and we knew we was going to get fired. Like, mm. we, knew, we knew what time oh. it was. Like, I kept saying it that whole week. I was like, yo, I'm about to get fired, right? Um, And then it was messed up because me and him rolled to work together, and then he got fired first. Yeah, wait on you. <laughs> he couldn't even storm out. <laughs> he had to I'll wait. be outside. <laughs> he had to wait a whole forty minutes for for me to have my beat and to get fired because I drove. That's messed up. <laughs> it's funny, but it's it's funny now, man. You laugh at it too. But I just remember even when I went down the stairs, he was like, "Man, he was mad," and I was like, "Why?" He was like, "Man." Some homeless dude asked me for some money, and I was like, "Man, I just got fired." He told that homeless dude that mm-hmm. homeless dude like, "My bad, man. Here, <laughs> take this." But you know, but we knew that company wasn't for us, and um, we, I know at at the end of the day, I could have invested in myself a little bit more there too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of different things that they were providing, and I take didn't take advantage of that. And I knew that well, I didn't want to be there in the long run. I didn't even want to do that role. I just needed a job. Yeah. Because that was my first job out of college. But it was just like, I talked to one of my homeboys. He was like, man, you went through what they say, the two most depressing thing a person can go through. And I was like, what is that? He was like, you lost. It said you lose a loved one, like a parent, and you get fired. And I was like, well, I, I had both of those, like, back-to-back year year. So I'm like, I can get through those, then I can, you oh, yeah. know, accomplish and overcome anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think what kind of helped me too was just finding um, avenues and finding other ways to create or be productive and finding hobbies. And me and him talked about that, which was working out. Like I used to like working out when I was in high school, and then I fell off in college because I was drinking too much poor locos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, then I, I was like heavy loco phase. Bro, right. them things are disgusting. Yeah. Shout out to poor loco. <laughs> it got to it got to a point where I couldn't even finish a whole can. I used to drink a quarter and pass it to my homie like you gotta finish it. Mm. But then it's like once I started getting into that and I started kind of hanging out like certain friends. Like I learned how to golf with Blake. Like he taught me how to golf. I learned that. Um, you know, I, I was still doing music here and there. So it was just like finding stuff like that. And then I kept telling myself too, like I learned from this failure. So I know when I get to a place in a position where I feel like I'm stable, I can do something. I want to give back to community. And that's why I got really involved into like volunteering and, um, running our volunteering, uh, program at my jobs, mm-hmm. which want me, which I actually want to uh, transition to you because you were more into the community with volunteering too. So I know you are an assistant coach at the big guy. <laughs> and um, 
page, and I know you do a couple other things, so you want to go ahead and just tell us a little bit about that and how you do you feel the same way when what made you get to the point where you at? I, I know you said it a couple times already that you did want to get back to these young students. And oh yeah. Um, so I played basketball for West Charlotte when I was uh, in high school and uh, my senior year, man, probably what position you uh, played? I played guard and I played guard, shooting uh, guard typically. Um, he, he can shoot. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I quit my senior year, probably like six games in. And they actually won states that year. Why you quit? I'm curious. Why you quit? So, you know, John Jones, man. I had my own car when I was uh, 16. Or, yeah, when I turned 16. But my senior year, I had my own car. My dad was like, look, you either going to have to pay for your gas or park the car. So I was working at the movies. Um, I was working at the YMCA. I was I was a camp counselor. And, uh, man, basketball, like, the way the way it was ran, which, I mean, they won states. Like, it, it paid off, but it was ran, like, almost like a college type thing. Like we would be, you know, I went to West Charlotte. We had one gym. So we got out of school at 215, JV boys practice, or JV girls practice, then JV boys, then varsity girls, then us. So, man, we wouldn't start practice till like 730. I'm getting out at like 9 o'clock, you know, and not to mention, like I, I was getting recruited to go to school for academics. So um, it really just came down to just prioritizing. Um, and – and I can honestly say I fell out of love with getting better. Like you said, consistency. I just – I didn't have it in me to, like, keep going after, outside of practice. So I just – I was like, hey, I'm, I'm getting recruited to go to school for academics anyway. Um, like, I'm not going to play basketball beyond this level here. So I went to the coach. I mean, and I was getting playing time. Like, it wasn't even like I was riding a bench. He was just like – he came to my class. Like, he came to one of my classes and was like, yo, like, why are you leaving the team? Um, and I, and my dad didn't raise me to be a quitter, but it was just like, yo, you got to prioritize, like kind of like as a man, like my dad has always kind of just told us, you know, you, you're going to be a man one day, you got to make decisions, things like that. So that is why I quit. Now, fast forward. Um, one of the things that I, I also train in basketball. So, uh, I help guys with jump shots and creating space and things like that. Um, but most importantly, man, building confidence. So I, like as a kid that I worked with over the summer, uh, who was not getting like barely any playing time. Like I talked to the coach, I talked to his dad and it was like, yeah, you know, he's, he's got the, he's got the skill set, but he doesn't have the confidence. So like work with him all summer, um, develop some parts of his game. He grew a little bit. And then so far, you know, CMS kind of put a pause to the season. We're picking up this coming Tuesday, but, He's averaging about 10 points a game, and he's gotten an offer already. So, like, to me, that is rewarding enough. Like, I don't yeah. ask for any money, I, you know, on charge by the hour, but to just see his confidence increasing and see him playing the way he is now, you know, it's rewarding for me just because, like, I was him. You know, I was that kid, but, you know, I, I unfortunately I had to stop playing that to handle some other obligations. But if you got parents that's willing to pay for your car, willing to pay for your gas, and, and they just want you to focus on school and basketball, then, you know, those are the those are the people I like coaching. Those are the ones I like training and things like that. So um, just seeing uh, how this team is doing, man, it's like seeing how some of these kids have turned around, bro, in, in regards to, like, their playing style and just the 180 and their confidence. Like, I can't, I can't even put it in words how rewarding that is beyond any type of monetary give, man. So th that's essentially why I decided to get back into uh, giving back in, in a sense of coaching and, and training. It's funny because I had a friend growing <laughs> up who was like six, seven, 
Like he was super tall. Like and every time anywhere we used to go somewhere, people always used to think he was a basketball player and I was a football <laughs> player. I remember <laughs> we was in New York. They asked if we played ball, and I was like, nah. They was like, are you guys like security or bouncers? And we like, nah. They was like, y'all want a job? I'm like, <laughs> we're not even from here. But he had he had a hype for it. And he tried to play basketball, but he never had anybody who mentored him or coached him. Mm. And I hate to see that because sometimes you do see where people have that potential, but they never have anybody like a B who can actually encourage them and give them that confidence. Because even when I was trying to play football, I didn't really like football, but I was trying to play football. I run funny. So it was just like, I ain't have nobody teach me like the correct way of running. And my mom's too busy with work, and my dad went around. So guess what? I'm like, screw it. I'm yeah. just gonna focus on academics. I feel you. Like I, I growing up, I was an athletic kid. You know, like uh, like I said, I was always a slender guy. I was fast, um, strong. Like I'm, I'm slender, but I'm a strong guy. And uh, I just got by off that. You know what I mean? Uh, and I would just either watch something and do it. And uh, but I never really had like my dad didn't play basketball. He didn't run track. He played football, like, maybe one year in high school. But, like, just somebody that could just give you the insights of the game. Like, I think if I had a me when I was in high school, like, man, I probably would have averaged, you know, 18 points a game and, and probably would have gone on to play maybe D2 basketball or something like that. But um, Dang, I would have had a famous friend. Right, right. <laughs> so, so this is me trying to, you know, give them that chance that I didn't have um, because I didn't necessarily had the resources if that makes sense right and i think that as we can see especially when it comes to like black men that we do have to kind of get better out at mentoring these young people growing up because oh, yeah. yeah like we know how parents i mean some of us are parents so we know how hard it is to kind of focus on your kids and focus on working and paying bills and stuff like that sometimes you just need that extra outside source too yeah, I mean, imagine if like LeBron didn't have that outside source. Oh yeah, oh yeah. When his mom was working day and night and just trying to survive and get them to dag on, have a roof over their head, you know, it took those outside sources to be for him to be the man he is now. You know, those coaches, those those family, not family members, but friends that became family. You know, oh, yeah. so you need that. You need that. Okay, so I do want to talk to you about two things, and then I'm gonna t- get to something a little bit serious as well. So you went to two HBCUs, correct? Yeah, I went to three. Three, up oh, my bad. <laughs> Correction. <laughs> you went to three HBCUs. Yes, um, describe that whole like process and what gave you the idea, or what what encouraged you to actually uh, attend an HBCU compared to like uh, another <laughs> college. Um, so growing up, man, I was gung ho Chapel Hill, bro. Like you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going bro, to Chapel Hill. Same here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like. I used to go to the basketball camps, man. Like, coaches would be asking what school I went to. Like, I just knew I was going there um, to play basketball. And it wasn't until my junior year, I want to say, um, I went on a tour to – and I joined a program. It's called uh, Campus Connections. I don't know. If, it had to have been around, I know, when you guys were in school. But, yeah, I heard of it. Um, essentially, they take you on different tours. Um, they take you on a southern tour and then a northern tour. So I was I was missing like week, a week out of school, like excuse because I was doing like college tours, and and that's where the recruiting came in. Um, so we would go to HBCUs. They again the Southern tour, so like North Carolina all the way down to Florida. 
all the HBCUs that are in those realms, and then from Virginia, or yeah, from Virginia, and uh, all the way up to Delaware, mm-hmm. we would uh, do tours there, and just seeing the 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 atmosphere, man. And then I went to West Charlotte, like that's like a mini HBCU in itself at the time, at least. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, they used yeah. to call it West Chocolate, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just just seeing, man, like the the alumni support and the the culture of it, it, it I just wanted to experience both of my parents uh, went to HBCUs as well <clears throat> so I, I just remember like going on those tours seeing the fraternity stuff seeing the sorority girls come out seeing the girls period like I remember Delaware um, State I think they had a ratio of 27 to 1 bro I was like dang if I come here I need all 27 bro <laughs> <laughs> all 27 of them <laughs> yeah you feel me uh, like I thought it was an all girls school like legit man I did not see a dude on campus till we went to the cafeteria mm. um, but j- just seeing the, the different cultures of the schools man I just I, I had to experience it and they were the ones giving out money like and, and that's one thing I, I, I'm not gonna say I don't believe in you know you should pay for whatever undergrad but man when i tell you if you if you go to school in high school and do somewhat decent hbcus will probably pay for at least half if not the whole part of your tuition man and there's nothing better than graduating with no student loans um f- from at least undergrad so that that was an an uh an issue as well like some of these schools they weren't giving money but these hbcus were giving money out the tail bro like um I probably had like over a million dollars in scholarship offers just to go to school for uh, academics, man. So, wow. And that's what I messed up on. I did not apply to HBCU. Um, and it was because it was more like, I, I was like him. I wanted to go to Chapel Hill because uh, I wanted to get into actually um, engineering first, mm-hmm. computer engineering. And then I was like, nah, um, I think I wanted to go to state, but I was having like issues getting NC my S- Yeah, NC State. I was having issues getting my um, SAT scores out to them. For some reason, I didn't have a computer at the time, so it was under, like, my aunt profile, and I had to, like, try to get her to email it to him, and it, it just wasn't working. It wasn't mm. convenient how it is now. Yeah. And then I ended up at UNC Charlotte, but it was one of them things. I was like, dang, because, like he said, them student loans, it, they hurt. Like, oh, yeah. that's why I'm hoping they pass this bill. But, yeah. like, let the Lord lose, <laughs> let the Lord <laughs> lose your joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, because it's just like, dang, like, um, I probably could have got some of that same experience if I would have went to HBCU. Uh, granted, I met Mrs. E at my college, and you know that's the best thing that came oh, from yeah. it. But like, um, but yeah, man, I think I think about that often, man, and that's why I used to be on some like, oh, I wouldn't go to HBCU, <laughs> and I really used to be like that because like I felt like Cochran was an HBCU, and then I knew when I went to Independence, I knew a lot of cats that we went to school with. They was on some like, yo, I'm going to A and T, blah blah blah. And that was the only HBCU oh, yeah. that I knew. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I should have went on like one of them campus. Uh, what was it? Campus connection. Connection. So I could actually learn more about it. But it was a um a and T was like the only um the one that I knew about. Yeah, that was like the mecca where people right. always talked about. I didn't learn about like colleges. Period. Until I was done. Like yeah. <laughs> I was I was done with school. Like I I had came back. I went through a little venture and and came back to Charlotte when I was like twenty. But um, on the venture, I would go visit these friends, and they would be going like they. A lot of them went to A and T, but then I would meet some at Livingston. I would meet some at Central. I would meet some at Saint Aug, and just going into these 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 atmospheres where like you see a bunch of like different shades of us, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you see anime us. You see, you know, dark skin, light skin, red bone women, smart women, thug women, like, but all about in this one, like, mind yeah. frame of, like, I'm trying to get through college. And so right. it was like, I was like, dang, where was this at? When I, like, I don't remember that, like, oh, the yeah. campus connection thing. But but if you notice this, too, they never really, we didn't have that type of, like, um, thing at, like, independence. Like, even we didn't even have, like, a college period. I feel like school should have had that. Yeah. But they should bring in some of these HBCUs because, like, I only knew about the big schools. Oh, yeah. I even got an offer to go to Duke at one time. I went to, like, this whole program and stuff like that. Bruh. Right. <laughs> I, I sat I sat there, and I was like, I remember me and my mom went there. So it was one of them things where I was kind of like, you know, smelling myself because I was like, yeah, I get oh, yeah. an offer from Duke. But then it's like, I don't want to go Tar Heels fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, like, the whole time I was there, there was dissing the Tar Heels, too. Granted, if they would have paid for my college, I'm not going to complain. But mm-hmm. it was just one of them things where I thought about it. But I was just like, you know, it was like when I was in the 10th grade. Like, I was, when it comes to academic, I was excelling. And anything I didn't do good in, it was consistency. So I stay after school. I would do whatever. I retake oh, yeah. tests. I do all that. But, like, yeah, I didn't get exposed to, like, HBCUs until, like, when I was already in college. And I was like, oh, man, there's other HBCUs out there that's really cool. In the CIAA tournament, I would be remiss if I did not say that that was a factor as well, man. Going to that tournament every year um, since the seventh grade um, helped as well. And that's funny because I didn't go to that as a oh, kid. Yeah. I would, See, every, AA, yeah, was big for me. Yeah, every really? Saturday morning um, of the tournament, they would have, like, the cheerleading competition. And, man, I would go. And uh, I think I felt like I was making the cheerleaders titty pop out. In my oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like Dave Chappelle. Right. Come yeah. on, like, titty, <laughs> on titty. And, and no, like legit for like probably three years straight, one will pop out and – Shout out to the cameraman because he will always get it put on the Megatron. <laughs> oh, so, your uh, face! You should see yeah. your face. Just like, Yo, cameraman. Yeah, <laughs> like the cameraman. But he, we was here, but uh, they. I think I don't know if they they put out some type of like uniform thing after that because like after that their uniforms got more conservative. Yo, your titties popping. Right, out. right. right. <laughs> hey, we can't have titties popping out here at the cheerleading competition. This kid's here. <laughs> I would be like, yep, I want to go. Yo, that that's the one reason. Oh my god, I can't believe we aren't having this conversation. Oh, yeah. That's the one reason why my dad used to take me to wrestling matches because I used to beg him to take me, uh-huh. and then I used to be like, yo, I want to go. And then when that happened, he was like, oh yeah, I want to go too. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody titty popped out. Uh, they they pulled them out themselves, but oh wow, we we gonna go to another subject. We gonna go to a, a more serious topic. So I okay. want to talk to you because I know uh, what's been really big in the news is uh, the vaccine. That's been Absolutely. really really big, and you, a man, um, especially minority, you a man in medicine, uh-huh. and um, if you don't mind if I actually say that you actually got the, you received the vaccine, you had yeah. both of your doses, right? Yes, sir. Um, tell me. Two things about that. Well, my first thing is, one, why do you think it's so hard for people? And I know the answer, but I want to hear it from you, especially since you're in medicine. Uh-huh. Why do you think it's so hard for people of color to get vaccinated or even to accept, like, these vaccines when it comes to, like, the medical field? Like, what do you th- why do you think it's so hard? And two, what do you think we can do to change that? Um. I mean, so that's funny because we're actually working on a, on a team with the hospital to try to figure out how we can get more um, minorities, um, black and brown people to get to get the vaccine. So to answer the first question, I feel like they're not getting it due to um, just they don't feel safe. Right. Right. Um, 
and they have questions and they're, I mean, anything that happens, they're like, oh, I ain't getting it. You know, somebody had a allergic reaction, somebody passed out, somebody passed away. Uh, but my thing is, uh, anything that comes to the market that you consume has to either go to like the FDA or the DEA. Uh, so whether it be drugs or food. What's the second one? What's the second one that you said? Uh, FDA. So food, uh, you know, the Food Drug Administration. So foods you eat, things like that. And then drugs, you go, it goes to the DEA, right? D what? EA. DEA. Uh-huh. Okay. So the, um, so all right, this water, right, that I'm drinking right here, this right. has to get, believe it or not, it, it goes through rigorous amounts of testing so you, so it can come to the market so you can drink it. Mm-hmm. It has to be, granted, safe. it has to be done safe for the people, like it won't harm you. Things like that. Lotions you use, soap you use, uh, food you eat. <clears throat> so when it comes to medicine, they have what are, what's called clinical trials. So it goes through a phase zero, phase one, two, three, and then four. So every drug that hits the market goes through those phases. Um, not, like it, it'll be illegal if it if it didn't. Only time it does is if it's like a clinical trial type thing. Um, and that's like a like if you're maybe dying of cancer and they just want to see if this drug will work. But if that's the case, like you sign paperwork that saying that you know that this is a clinical trial drug, right? Yeah. So they they would never let a vaccine come to the market that has not gone through each phase of the clinical trial. One, um, two, if it's not done safe, and then three, if it's like going to harm you, like if they if they're knowingly giving you something that's going to harm you, like they can't do that. The government wouldn't allow it. So I think just uh, if people. Would, would understand that I think it, it would allow them to feel better about receiving a vaccine um, because essentially it is no different from let's say getting the flu vaccine or whatever the case may be because I know people are saying like oh every time I get the flu vaccine I get the flu which <clears throat> I did tell you that yeah. I told you that personally yeah. Me. yeah which and, and and so what they do is they give you like a there is some of the you know flu quote-unquote in the um in the vaccine but it's not live so uh you know, I think it's just a mixture of that and, and uh, all these stories where somebody got the vaccine and passed out, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's just fear. It's, it's putting fear in people's hearts. Um, some people just don't want to get it. Right. And then they just use some excuses. people don't. Some people yeah. don't. I agree. But mm-hmm. I do believe that um, if you do get it, one, you protect yourself. Um, you protect other people who you see, because uh, if you're, you're going around, let's say your mom, your dad, your grandparents, who do have underlying issues, you know, at least you, you're, you, I would feel better if I'm going to you knowing that I've, I've gotten vaccinated and that I'm less uh, of, a, of a risk. Because after you, so th- there are three now, um, Johnson & Johnson or Janssen, uh, they just came out with one that's now a one dose, but, you know, you got Moderna, you got Pfizer. Uh, so after you get that first dose, um, 14 days after, you're considered 50% protected. After you get that second dose, 14 days after that, you consider 100 or 99.9% protected. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could imagine <laughs> uh, like an imaginary COVID bubble around you, uh, that that is in a sense what it is. And just to tell, just to give an example. So um, my supervisor at work, his wife and both daughters had COVID, tested positive for COVID. He had gotten a second dose. Now he's living in the same house with these, you know, this is his family. He didn't test positive. He had to take two tests in order to return to work. Um, because, you know, just because of the exposure, they wanted to take precautions. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he took both tests and tested 
negative. So, I mean, that should tell you alone. Like, if I'm in the same house with these people using the same dishes, same refrigerator, same shower, uh, and I'm still te- and I still test negative, then that should at least help people understand like just how uh, powerful or how, or how uh, resistant to the um, disease it is. Now, with the variant, um, if you guys have been keeping up with the news, right, you have right, a variant the European now. African variant. Um, they're saying that now. Uh, the Pfizer and the uh, Moderna are not um, protects, protected or protective against that one. So I've still got to do my research on that one. But however, the Janssen one is supposed to be. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, I haven't done a whole lot of research in that one, so I don't want to put out false information. So it's just a matter of uh, helping people feel safe about it, uh, which I think would ultimately um you know, lead to more people because they say if 75% of the population was to get vaccinated, we could not say get rid of it, but we could almost go back to living. Our regular lives. Yeah. yeah. So sure. um, I think the way to go about it though, uh, is to reach people where they are. Uh, again, going back to what we said, you got to tailor your conversation to your crowd. So you African-Americans, a lot of times, um, you got, you got to meet them where they are. So put it in weed. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you should have saw my face, bro. Yeah, yeah, put it in the dime bags. <laughs> Smoke it. But uh, <laughs> See, I knew this guy was in the Illuminati. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> but no, nah, they uh, it's like maybe go to the church, have a pastor talk about it, or or you know have somebody talk about it at a service. Yeah. Uh, going to you know where barbershop. Uh, you got to go to where people hang out and, and have somebody there to educate. Because uh, if if not, then they're just gonna like continue to listen to people give false information or look up things that may not be true. Uh, and I think also um, doing your own research too. Like don't take what I say, don't take what somebody else says, but try, look it up. Like if you're seriously interested in getting it and you have dilemmas, I would say look it up, talk to somebody who has gotten one and just go for it from there. So on that, it's funny that you said that because I already told you, when you told me you was getting it, I was like, oh, you about to be my test down right, I told right. you that the whole yeah, I'm time. I'm the guinea pig. <laughs> I told you, I was like, if you start having mutant powers and morphing, and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> but like, um, and like you said, I was doing my own research. I think I read some, um, I want to say in Jerusalem, they like um, basically vaccinating um, like a million people a day or some, something ridiculous. Wow. It's, um, it's, the numbers are crazy, but yeah, like, they, they, was, they was like, they running through them, but they do know the since they've been doing a huge amount of vaccinations that the new cases has been dropping and mm-hmm. people being hospitalized has been dropping. So I was doing my research on that. Cause I did see the Johnson Johnson. I said, I think it was like a 66% mm-hmm. chance of fighting it, but it's going to help you not um, go to the hospital or whatever. So then I was looking at some more research and I think it said, I think the United States is only 8% vaccinated, but they did say they actually see the numbers dropping. Yeah. Um, I did see because I've been I've been doing a lot of research because I've been I've been one of them skeptical kind of people because if you look throughout history they tested a lot of different things on black people and you know end up making us lose trust within the medical system mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you this every day bro I don't really trust a lot of my um a, a, a lot of my um my um my doctors basically my right. uh, my family doctors because or my physicians that's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. because I went through three through th- like ten years of trying to fix stuff that I wanted to fix and right. then that's when I was trying to kind of look at holistic approach but it doesn't help when you have like the loss of trust there mm-hmm. and then you have people who mix facts with conspiracy theories because right. we know now 
it's all about conspiracy theories. Like you, you have people, I get sent memes and send video about stuff that people not reading. It's just <laughs> what people say. And you right. kind of know where I'm going with it, mm-hmm. but it's just like, you know, me, I'm the type, again, I'm a data person. Yeah. I have to see everything. It has to make sense to me. Um, because I'll be honest with you before I was like, I'm not getting it. Yeah. I, I was a hundred percent against it. Mm-hmm. I'm a, now I was more, I want to say what, I wasn't even more 50, 50. I was more like maybe 40, 60, maybe 30, 70. Now I'm more, I'm more about 50, 50. Right. I still want to do my research. And that's like better. You, you know what I'm saying? It's all about progress, man. And, and like I was saying earlier, everything you consume, it, it goes through testing. So I was like, people will drink, you know, uh, P. Diddy's new liquor <laughs> and not question like, oh, has this been tested? Like, will this right. cause harm? And I'm like, bro, this could kill your liver if you drink the whole bottle tonight. So it, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where people just have to really come to a comfort. It's one of them things I saw that where people will consume like fast food. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, you know me, I don't even eat fast food like that. But I'm like, you consuming like fast food and all this other stuff daily, weekly, whatever. Right. And I think I saw Plies made a joke about it. He was like, you know, I I do this, I drink this. I don't even know what I'm putting in my body. Yeah. And he was like, you know, so why am I tripping about the, you know, vaccine yeah. and whatever? And I think another thing that's kind of scared people is the the long term effect because people mm, just yeah. recently getting vaccinated. Yeah. So we don't know what's gonna happen to certain people who might have those certain things about them and like five, 10 years later and they might develop this. Yeah. And I think that scares people. Yeah, I just think yeah. It's, it, to me, it's, it's funny, man. It's just, you know, you got people who will go to the bar, meet a chick <laughs> for the first time, take her home, smash raw, mm. not worried about catching anything. And then be like, I'm not getting the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, bro, you, you might've just caught the clap. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, that's Teachers sad. I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, but nah, sure. but nah, it's good to kind of talk to somebody like that. And I mean, I wanted to go to my next question is back to like what I was saying. When we lost so much trust, because mm-hmm. I know me and him talked too, he has issues with some uh, um, doctors and stuff like that. We right. lose mm-hmm. so much trust when it comes to the, the medical field. And I see why I'm not this type of guy because I still like taking care of myself. Right. But um, I see a lot of brothers and I see a lot of people who don't like going to the doctors, who don't like taking medications because yeah. of the side effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do to help bridge that gap of knowledge? And I mean, I, to be honest, I do think some of it do follows on the medical field because I think yeah. just like any job, you have a bad apple everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do to kind of build that relationship back? Um, I, I really think it comes – well, one – you know, they call it practice in medicine because sometimes they're just trying something out. And I hate to say that, but it's, you know, not everything that they say will work or, you know, is going to cure whatever the case may be, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. Now, as far as on our end, uh, from the clinician side, I definitely think um, they need to teach cultural, uh, cultural competence uh, in school or some type of sociology or something like that, because a lot of times it's, it's a matter of relating to your patients. And I think, you know, not to like toot my own horn, but man, like my patients really are able to relate to not only myself, but I make sure my staff talks on the level that they understand as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because you can't you can't come in and uh, speak all these medical terminology things and, and, and words and expect the patient to grasp that. Prime example, I had a patient come in maybe about three weeks ago, uh, and she had an insulin pump and was trying to figure out why, like, there was a bubble um, at the tip of it. For Like, anybody that's familiar with insulin, it's, like, for diabetes. So I was like, well, that's weird. Uh, and then I noticed that her, like, pin pin needle caps were closed. Like, she hadn't even used those. I was like, you know that goes on the tip of that, right? Like, you have to put the tip of that on there, screw it on, and then you inject it into, you know, your stomach. And she was like, oh, no, he didn't tell me that I needed to do that. So I was like, your doctor, like, ha- had a whole you know, gave you this medicine and did not tell you that you needed to put the pin needle on there. And she mm. said, no. So I'm like, no. And she was trying to figure out now, now mind you, this was a follow-up visit. So she was trying to figure out why her levels, like her um, insulin levels and fasting glucose was still high. Wow. And like, it never dawned on a doctor to say like, Oh, you, you haven't really been using your medicine. You know what I mean? So like one being able to relate to your patients. So like going, you have to talk to patients as if they are, you know, in first grade, like walk through from top to bottom, explaining why you're prescribing this, explain how it works, um, explain the side effects, explain, you know, why you're choosing this over something else. Uh, sometimes see if they have a preference. A lot of times patients may do their own research and say, well, I, instead of trying this, I want to try something else. Um, so I think a lot of times, man, it's like doctors, they don't have the cultural competence. They don't know how to relate to their patients or, or talk at, on their level. And then two, um, I don't think that uh, – oh, dang, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, man. I, my You're ADHD fine. kicked in. Um, they they don't know how to relate to the patients. And I – oh, they see too many patients. Like, they see way too many patients a day. Mm-hmm. So, it, at that point, it's more of a quantitative thing than a qualitative. So, they're, they're focused more on the uh, transaction versus the interaction. Mm-hmm. So, they, they want you to come in. Like, let's say you go for a physical. You know, they touch your stomach. Say, ah, let me look in your ear. Okay, you're good. Come back in a year. Like, dude, <laughs> I'm having back pains. I'm having neck pains. Like, let's talk about some stuff that yeah, I have going sure. on. So uh, I think um, from from that level, maybe, I don't know if it's the, the North Carolina, you know, the, the county, they need to stop letting doctors see so many patients in one day. Like, because it's no way you can give a patient your full attention if you're trying to see 30 patients a day. You know, like. Because th- at that point, they're coming in for about 10 minutes, quick talk, let me check this, check that, and then they're leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then you tell them, oh, I got high blood pressure. Okay, cool. I'll just write you a script for this and you send you on your way. Like, they don't know if you're allergic to something, like anything. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's true, yeah. though. Um, I'm, I talked to a doctor about an issue, and I swear to you, he had me come back for a whole week and couldn't find out what was going on. Yeah. And then it was making me mad because it was like, it's one thing, you know, if I'm coming back a whole week and we're talking about stuff and I'm telling you what I'm doing, but he kept asking me the exact same questions. And then I knew he wasn't paying attention when I had came in there with, like, a, a, a UNC hoodie. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, you're a UNC fan? And I was like, yeah. yeah. He was like, I graduated there. I was like, yeah, I know. So, like, I think I came back, like, maybe a couple months later. And he was like, oh, you're a UNC fan. <laughs> and I was Bro, like. We had this conversation already. <laughs> we had this conversation. And then it didn't help that I. I swear I saw this doctor maybe three times in one month, and his nurse kept butchering my name. And I, I can, like, but the funny thing is, like, she got it right one time, mm-hmm. and then she butchered it another time. And granted, I would have gave her a pass if mm-hmm. 
it was like, you know, maybe six months from now, but I literally saw them like every other week in that month. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I know you see a lot of people, but and me and her had a whole conversation about her husband and stuff like that. And right. then I got the doctor coming in here like, oh, you're a UNC fan. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like one of them things like, all right, man. It was like, it was to a point I was changing doctors. Like I was changing underwear. I was oh, yeah. like, I'll trust my barber more than I trust my doctor. And then, and I don't, I ain't really have a, the best barber. Shout out to him. He can cut too. Okay. But, man, um, but, but yeah, but like, yeah, it was just one of them things where it's like, dang, man, like you supposed to be my doctor, you know? I'm supposed to have faith in you, and I think that's why oh, yeah. a lot of people go through that, and I think a lot of people start looking to, like, holistic approaches. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of people go through that. And kind of what he was saying, uh, I think it goes both ways again, where I do agree that whoever's in charge of that should lessen their patients to um, where, where doctors see them. But at the same time, it goes back to those doctors. It goes back to those nurses because if you're looking at ER, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a I went to the ER earlier this year. And this dude was the first doctor that I had in ER. Now, if anybody been in ER, they know ER go off the rails, especially like because this was like this was in the midst of COVID. And I thought I had something going on with me. I I thought I had it. So I was like, (laughs) let me go out and get this thing checked out just in case. So it was hectic out there. And even with that, he was he was patient. He um, because I seen him. I ended up seeing him twice. And um, and then he referred me to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And even the second time I seen him, because uh, I still was feeling bad and went to the emergency room. I don't got it. I didn't have a um at the time. What do you call it? Like a house doctor or something uh, like that? A physician. Yeah, I didn't have a physician. So I was going to this guy. Uh-huh. And uh, even with that, all of that, he'd be like, oh, yeah, man. So are you still feeling like that? You still, like, you know, let's get you x-rayed this time. Like, let's go to another phase and try to figure out what's really going on if it's not that. Yeah. Where back in the day, like, I feel like that trust would would fall because like it would be like one ear out the other. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I'm telling them how I feel like I'm feeling, they wouldn't, wouldn't even care to try to figure it out. I hear it. Like, take some ibuprofen. Yeah. Yeah. Just take that. Or just like, you can look in their eyes or feel in their spirit that they don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it goes both ways where it's like, yeah, they're going through a lot of stuff. They're going through stressful. I just lost a patient, you know, like we don't mm-hmm. know the mind frame of what they got going on right. at the same time. This is your job. Like this yeah. is your profession. Like I, I, I want to feel like I'm, I'm in the care of somebody like that knows what they're doing and, and wants to really help me. Not that I'm a, I'm a nuisance to them. And I feel like I felt like that. My history with doctors has been that where I feel like I'm coming into their office and I feel like I'm a nuisance and they're just giving me some stuff to just pat me on the back and keep it moving. So I'm very, I was very excited to have you on here because, a, it, I, I learned a lot from this episode and then b. It's showing me um, the new breed of how physicians should be, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, I if I had a doctor, if I had a pharmacist, what it, pharmacist, right? If yeah, I had a yeah. pharmacist, like, I wish I had a doctor like you, where it was <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, I could yeah. check, get check. I would probably get checkups, like probably like every three months. Yeah. yeah. Because like, hey, I've never heard it from a minority standpoint. Mm hmm. And then B, um, you you seem to really value the patient, oh, yeah, really man. value the work. And one of the biggest things, just like you said, like I never heard in the in the sense of like going to the barber shops and letting people know what's really up with this vaccine. Like yeah. a lot of people don't know, Absolutely. and so they're not gonna get stuff they don't know that they fear. You know, knowledge is is, is a very fearful thing for the black community because they always like the history. Like he said, we always getting 
put down by the government. So we ain't thinking the government gonna help us, even if it is FDA approved. Oh yeah, we gonna be like, well, it's, it's still like probably a chip in this shit or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure, bro. <laughs> nah, it's uh, and I I tell like I said, man, with my staff, I'm big on the interaction and not the transaction, and I that's something I constantly preach because, it, and it, and it came up. Because recently, man, I've been eating a lot of fast food. I have no idea why. And um, when I get to the re- or to the window, you know, I already ordered through the drive-thru. And they're just like, $8.98? Or did you get the burger and fries? And I'm like, how you doing? You feel me? Like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's getting to a point where society is just about, okay, let me get your bread. This is what you got. Bye. Microwave like, process. Right. Like, no. When our patients come out, like, hey, how you doing? Hey, or Or let's say we don't know you. By name, um, once you say like, "Hey, I'm picking up for, you know, Titus." Okay, how you doing, Mister Titus? Uh, let's see, what do we have for you today? Are you doing all right? I see you have a, a what's that? A, a, a Andre three thousand shirt on. Uh, anything that we can uh, point out to make sure that we're connecting with you in some way versus like, "Hey, pick up date of birth. Have, have a nice day. Do you have any questions?" Like, nah, like we I don't tolerate that at all. Just because. At that point, you're never going to trust us because you just feel like a transaction. Yeah. And the funny wow. thing, we learned that when we was working in the movie theater. Like, oh, yeah. that was one of our biggest things. Like, you know, the customers was our – they weren't customers. They was our guests. Yeah. So we used to – like, my first time around there, I used to greet them. I used to have a conversation with them. I ain't going to lie. That second time around there, I was like, nah, oh, yeah, I don't – I didn't care. Mm. But but I was but I was like that at Best Buy because that was my other job because – I enjoyed what I was doing. I love technology. I love talking to people about technology. And I wasn't really trying to sell people stuff. I was really trying to make sure they had the best item. Yeah. Because I was being very personal. And it, it built that relationship because they will come back and only purchase something from me or they'll ask for me specifically because, like you said, customer service is a real thing in any industry. Oh, yeah. Customer service is important because if you is a, if you're like transaction – then it's automated. You feel like you're dealing with a robot. Yeah. And nobody want to feel like that. Like, we're people, and people are social beings by nature. That's why I think yeah. this pandemic is messing with a lot of people because, like, we're we're meant to interact. Oh, like, yeah. God created us to do that. Yeah, I think we're built for that. So if I go into a store, if I go into a fast food chain, if I – because I, I tell you this, and I say it all the time on here. If I walk into a store and I'm not greeted – it could be something I want. I'll walk out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the ex are greeting, too. Remember the movies? All right, have a nice day. Hope it, you enjoyed your movie. <laughs> bro, we used to have to say that all the time. The only thing I used to hate, though, is when we used to have to get, like, the uh, IMAX glasses or the 3D oh, yeah. glasses because then people want to fight with you. I had somebody hit me with the, I was like, uh, put your 3D glasses in the box. Hey, Mars, I paid for them. Like, bro, what you about to do with the 3D glasses <laughs> in the crib? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, and then you have to be like, sir, you paid for the, ex, um, the experience. And I was like, nah, I paid for the glasses. And they try to size you up. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not about to fight I've you. I've never known they had to get those back. The, I, the IMAX glasses, not the 3D. Oh, okay. But the IMAX glasses. We recycled the 3D glasses, though. But then it got to a point where I was like, I don't even care. But, like, yeah, the IMAX glasses, we have to. Yeah, you got to get those back. You got to get those back. It's no, You can't keep those. I don't yeah. think I've never wore those. You better leave in the club. Bro, you got patted down. You got the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like, no, nah, it's it's really creating that experience and like just creating that atmosphere for me to be welcome. Again, yeah. everybody, you never know what anybody going through. Yeah, through whatever true. the day is. 
But, you know, for me to be like, oh, man, I like that jumpsuit you got on there, sir. Like, that might make his day a little bit better. Yes, yeah, for sure. And I think it goes back to what you were saying just before that. I mean, at the same time was um, that you at what Best Buy, you loved what you were doing. Right. And it comes back to, like, because we've all had those moments. Like, he was talking about with the drive through me at Smoothie King, wherever I go, where they just be like, what do you want? Like, I've had a what do you want at a drive through and oh, be yeah, like, Dang. I'll pull off, bro. Then, <laughs> for real, I've had that. And I'll be like, yo. It is so many, and and I know you're probably, like, doing it paycheck to paycheck. I don't know your situation, but it is so much going on. Like, you can find another gig. If it, if it's right. messing your mood up that bad, man. like, now just imagine feeling that way with a doctor. Yeah. Where you'd be like, bruh, yeah. you went to school for this. Yeah, like, <laughs> but it's like, I don't think they understand. Like, some of these doctors, it's like, this is their first job. You know what I mean? Like they all mm. they have done is go to school, say they don't know customer service. Ooh, you hit that on the nail. So That's, it's like there you go. And, and even these, you know, these young kids that are working in the drive thru, like it irks me when I pull up and it's just like eight ninety eight. Like, dude, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. You know, something. Agreeing and, goes and, a long way. And not to yeah, be funny. Sure. Not to be funny, but I would hire a homeless person to work a window before I would hire a kid because homeless people talk to everybody. Like, you know, you know how much confidence and, and much of a people person you got to be to walk up or stand on a corner and talk to everybody to drive by, even knowing that 90 percent are probably going to either flick you off, ignore you, not say hello. But but they still doing they're persistent, man. Like those are I mean, people probably like disagree with me, but I would re- I would take them any day over, like, say, a kid that's just coming out or, you know, one of those snobbish kids that are just like, oh, I just need a job for the summer. Like, no, nah, I would take that's the answer. One of them kids just need a job for the summer. Yeah, they would, have they have a uh, um, a house over there. You know, they have a roof over their head. Right. So, you know, they take that stuff for granted. Oh, yeah. They don't know the struggle of living on your own and have to pay bills and stuff oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. The like, ego is completely gone with a homeless person. It is. <laughs> Where, <laughs> absolutely. That's a true statement. Like, you don't see me come from, like, this apartment to this small oh, apartment yeah. to where I stay now. So, oh, you yeah. saw me. Like, you saw that evolution of oh, me. Oh, yeah. So, but it's all about, you know, humbling yourself and, like, just having that, like, that place of starting off. And like you said, a lot of these doctors, they never had any yeah, other job. ever. They just went to school for, like, 50 years, and then they like, oh, I'm going to talk to people this type of way because I got the money, I did the time, but I don't know how to be personal with people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel the same way with cops. Yeah. You know, some of these cops go right into the service. Yeah, and, and, and – have no experience with those neighborhoods they're they're patrolling. Yeah, one of the things I'm fortunate for is like having experienced all walks of life. Like I went to school and, you know, with a mixed crowd. Then I went to West Charlotte, which, you know, that area at the time, man, it was people like really struggling. Right. Um, you know, free and reduced lunch, having parents maybe one sa- or one parent uh making maybe 30,000 trying to support you and, and you know some siblings. So uh, knowing how to, like I said, relate to people from all walks of life is something that some of these physicians never do. Like if, if they grew up going to private school and, and this and fine winding and dining, dad was a doctor, mom was a nurse, like, nah, you got some. And, and I think that's another reason why a lot of uh, minorities are appreciative of minority doctors because they got it out the mud just like you. Yeah, you know? for sure. Not all of them, but you know, a, a large percentage. Like now, you got some, you got some doctors that's legit. Like, f- got it out the mud from the hood. Maybe even been locked up a time or two, but they changed their lives around. Yeah. So, um, 
that is like like I said, cultural competence is something that needs to be taught, not even on the physician level, but in general. Like if you go to high school, college, like that is a course that needs to be taught just so people can learn how to relate to people. So, Absolutely. Yeah. How we doing on time? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Okay, I'm 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 gonna ask this question. Okay. Um, so since this is a super Super Bowl weekend, oh yes, sir. I'm gonna let y'all have this conversation real quick. Who do you have going for the Super Bowl? Do you have the 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 season vet? The <laughs> you know, actually, that's one of your favorite players, right? There I, you I, go, man. Now you gonna do? No. Come on, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael. You have the season vet. That's a cut easy. No, but you used yeah. to like the Patriots. I'm a right? Peyton Manning fan. Oh, yeah, you are. My, You know what? My bad. You are a Peyton Manning Dang, fan. You, you ain't playing them. I forgot, man. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. No, we, we arch nemesis. Yeah, we used to have this conversation all the time. So, on that note, who do y'all have going for the Super Bowl? Do you have. Are y'all excited for the Super Bowl? I am. And mm-hmm. who do you have on that, on that question? I'll be right back. But who do you have? Do you have Peyton Manning or do you have um you mean Tom Brady? I mean, yeah, dang. Do you have Peyton I'm messing here. up. Get do that you, helmet head out of here. Do you have Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? I have Patrick Mahomes. I have Patrick Mahomes um winning by ten. And uh okay. just because I mean he's young and Tom Brady has ha- has had his time. And again, I'm a Peyton Manning fan. So I, I don't want to see Tom Brady, you know, uh-huh. get another ring. But like, Mahomes be throwing the ball every which way, behind the back, through the legs, all that f- side passes. Wow, so, and yeah, and then you got Tariq Little out there, who's you know, one of the fastest in the league. So I, I really think, and I hope he's able to pull it down, pull it out uh, two years in a row. Mm. Um, it would be special. It would definitely be special. Um, I'm I'm going for Dag on TV, bro. Word. I'm oh, going for TV. Man. I'm going for the old head, man. I'm an old head, so <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I you got know, it. I'm I'm at that point where it's like it's kind of like what you were saying earlier in the episode, where it's like I got some seasoning on me, but I'm like the the big brother or like the cool uncle to the youngsters. Right. Absolutely. So it's like. I respect TB because I feel like he's he's the last of that era where he's yeah. the only one that could probably him and LeBron mm-hmm. are the only two that can pull that off because they they take care of their bodies, especially LeBron. Like I just uh, saw something on the news, yeah, millions of dollars, he, yeah, over a million dollars for his health, but health is wealth, and Absolutely. you see, he wouldn't be in year eighteen if that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I think I, I saw that same video, man. Just like the money that he puts in and muscle recovery and the foods he eats, uh, workout plans. I was like, sheesh, like it made me feel totally you know like i wasn't doing enough by just running a mile here and there and uh eating pretty good throughout mm. the week like i'm like dang i need to be doing much more but <laughs> i'm also not a professional athlete so he got it yeah for sure and then you just i mean even just not being one um you take bits and pieces of it yeah like, i'll yeah. take bits and be like well, i ain't gonna do all that right like, yeah i'll take exactly. a dab of this and that because like over a million for lebron is probably like to the average person would probably be like fifty dollars a month yeah, like, you like, probably, like, that's cool. That's All like right. fifty to LeBron. You know, like, that's a lifetime fitness membership. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, like Planet Fitness. I, yeah. I go there three, four times out of the week. Yeah, you know, you know like, what I mean. I'll eat a salad this week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, just the little things, and then you, you know, that's how I was with the gym, man. Yeah. Like I was going like weekends, and then like like how he was. Like mm-hmm. my brother is like that. Where it was like we built that bond off that because I started discovering it wasn't just really the physical for me. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the mental as well because right. I went through a lot dealing with like um you know the loss of people like we all do yeah, and then yeah. I was a very big alcoholic mm-hmm. so um to get myself off, off of drugs period right um I went to that 
And so it was a good stress relief. And uh-huh. then you start to build, you know, from the two to the three to the. Good, man. You know what? Maybe I should eat a salad. Like yeah, I said, maybe yeah. I won't go to Burger King this time. And so you, you, but it's videos like that. Like we talking about with LeBron where you take those little bits and be like, you know what? Maybe I can add a little bit more into my um, expenses of my health. Yeah. You know, not, you know, and paying for that or paying for this. Sh- shout out to you too. Like, sorry, I, I know you said you got off. Drugs and, and drinking. So are you like sober now, or are you yeah. still drinking dab here and there? Or I ain't doing nothing. That's, hey, that's that's awesome. Like yeah. I think um, I our, can't. I think our generation. Needs <laughs> to, no, but seriously, I think our culture needs to hear stuff like that, man. Because um, because you're younger, and you know a lot of people just feel like, oh, I'm too young to be dealing with depression or, or whatever the case may be. Or black people don't get depressed, but you know it's nice to hear that uh, you took other avenues, man, and outlets. So. Yeah, just like dealing in the pharmaceutical field, I mean, that's another giant that continues to need to be addressed is mental health. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Those are probably two of the biggest fields in the in the minority community that I feel like need to be addressed that are being addressed today. I mean, that's yeah. why we got you on here. He picked um he picked the Chiefs. Um, I picked TB because he's an old head. And, um, you know, I, I like the Bucks. I like the Bucks over them. So I'm going to play a conspiracy theory. I'm going to be that guy. I used to, I, I still hate them guys now. I used to, you remember y'all used to go into the grocery store, like, when dixie and stuff? You see, like, the Enquirer, where it'd be, like, aliens is, like, on the country or something. Mm-hmm. It'd be, like, the weirdest stuff. But I'm going to be that guy for right now. I'm going to say uh, the Buccaneers is going to win probably by 10, and it's going to be um, Tom Brady. He's going to ride off in the sunset. <laughs> I mean, I felt like they did it to Peyton Manning. I, you, come on. The Panthers should have won that year. That, that's, I'm still hot about uh, that. Don't get me started on that. And um, I guess he's probably happy because he's a Peyton fan. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think – yeah, he so, was happy. So you think Tom Brady's going to retire if he wins? I don't know. I feel like he want to play one more year with yeah. more people in the, uh, in the stands or whatever. This Super Bowl about to be interesting because they having people there, right? Yeah, um, I think if he, re- I think if he wins, that's it. He's gonna. I think if he wins, um, he will retire. I think if he loses, he's gonna do it one more time. Think so? <laughs> I think he'll try one more time just off the, because how they gelled together was like the Miami Heat. It was like you know, like how the Miami Heat when they first became like the big three, mm-hmm. and they stumbled upon the finals, like how we were talking about. They did, but they stumble. lost. They but still, just off the strength of them being who they were, stumbled upon the finals, and still by one. Bro, this and man so, Gronk went to wrestling, came back out of wrestling, like nah, I want to play football again. I'm back. <laughs> right. He was he was retired. Exactly. Chilling, man. Vince McMahon had him jump off of something crazy, and he didn't want to do it. It was like something real tall. It was like something real tall. He had to jump off and do a stunt, and Gronk was like, I don't want to do that. So Vince McMahon did it. Vince McMahon, like 80, he got up there. They said he fell down so casually, got up, and walked off like it was nothing. He was like, see, it's that easy. That man is crazy. Yeah, he is. It takes him <laughs> crazy to be the level he is, though. But, but, yeah, but I, I do. They did stumble into the playoffs. They stumble into the um, Super Bowl, too. I don't know how that happened. Um, to be honest with you, I ain't – I ain't really been following football this year uh, with all the politics and all the other BS behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, when it, we started getting closer to the playoffs, surprisingly, I was rooting for the Browns. Yeah, it was hard not to. Because they, they like the ultimate underdog team. And yeah. it's like you want to see them actually get that like that victory. They had a good squad, too. They got yeah, a lot yeah. of work. They got a lot of stuff to work with. Them and the Bills I was rooting for. Yeah, mm-hmm. same, same another underdog team. I mean, 
I'm hoping now because I'm I'm always always been big in basketball, so I'm hoping now with the Hornets got that squad, that young squad. Lamelo oh, yeah. looks good. He dropped thirty four last night. Did he? Yeah, Bruh. yeah, he looks promising. He's starting now, right? Because uh, Rozier hurt, or I know he was starting because Rozier was out for like a game or so. Mm-hmm. Uh now that I don't know. Don't get me to lying. Uh, but I do know Lamar Ball said Michael Jordan didn't come off the bench. That was his response to <laughs> Melo coming off the bench. So <laughs> I think that's the that's like so when we talk about like the whole pandemic, like the things I miss. I don't really miss the club. I don't really miss the bar. You know me. I'm a social drinker anyway. Mm-hmm. So I like I like to drink with the homies. But that's about it. But I miss going to concerts. Oh yeah. And I miss going to games, especially one yeah. of my homeboy put me up like. Went to a Hornets game, I want to say last March, and he put me on game. You know, like that one section where it's like the chairs and like that big old food court thing. He was like, if you buy, I don't, actually, I don't want to say this online. But, yeah, because <laughs> he put me on game. But basically it's like he fa- I found a better way to be comfortable at a game and actually go to a net- uh, better spot. Mm. And I was like, when he as soon as he put me on that, I was like, all right, I know what I'm about to do. I was ready to start going to Hornets games and doing that. Mm-hmm. And then this happened. I can't believe we actually coming up on a year, too. Yeah, man. Time all the, all the listeners are going to be like, do tell. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you, not for you. you. You should blur that out. You should be like, you know when I'm being like, <laughs> <laughs> like, don't even get, I'm not even going to give them that, man. But nah, um, but yeah, I think that's one of the things I miss. Um, I'm glad. I think the NBA did the best when it came to the bubble, though. Oh, the yeah. The way they protected them. They, they probably did. I think another league did, too. Them uh, and the UFC probably did the best. UFC did really good, too, because they have their own Mortal Kombat fight island. But, um, but yeah, that <laughs> bubble <laughs> that that bubble thing is definitely, like, it was a major move. And I think you got to praise uh, Silver for doing that. Yeah. I think the NCAA tournament supposed to be in, uh, uh, I want to say, Indianapolis this year. Is it Maryland? Yeah. I, I know it's one of them, and it's supposed to be the same way where, like, the whole tournament is there. Like, they don't oh, travel. Yeah. That would be cool. So, I mean – UNC not doing that great this year. They doing better a little I bit. Got, I'm, I got them winning tonight, though. It's Duke tonight, right? Yeah, they yeah. Duke. Yeah. Mm, that's six, a good game. Six? I that's always going to be a good game. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of the records of either one. Yeah. And yeah, they always play each other tight. Yeah, they always. Yeah, I, yeah, I got Duke is playing horrible. I mean, but Coach K, I think he had COVID, so he was out for a little bit. Yeah, he was. Shout out yeah. to Coach K. I, I'm a UNC fan, but Coach K is like 75 years old. With jet black hair, bro. The Jonas crazy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a vampire. Yeah. Shout out to him too, because when it, when that whole Black Lives Matter things was going on, he really spoke out about that. A lot of times, a lot of them athletic coaches they keep quiet because they know who they fan base and they know who they target audience, mm-hmm. so they know the parents that they deal with. But he, when he did that, I was like, yo, I don't even dislike Coach K anymore. I'm still a Roy fan, but it made me as much as I hate Duke. It made me respect him a lot more. Um, it made me respect the rivalry. Um, it made me respect the legacy, the history, and everything like that. Because he produced a lot of people. Because even when Zion was there, oh, yeah. I was like, dang, I like him. Because I think he he's from Salisbury. So it's like, oh, he's not, you know, from, you know, that far from over here. But I was just like, he got to get out of here. Because I'm t- I don't want to play him again. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, even when he blew out his foot, I was like, dang. You know, I kind of felt bad. But it was yeah. like, I hope UNC win. But it's just one of them things where – you got to respect the rivalry. To me, I think it's the best rivalry in sports. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. The only other rivalry that's better than – I mean, some people say, like, the Yankees and the Red Sox. Some people say – I don't think the Lakers and Celtics had that rivalry in a long time, so. 
Mm-mm. And they I'm, were getting it with the end of Kobe's like little three peat. I mean, uh, he he had the back to backs. Yeah, um, but that wasn't. I think he he got the back to back with one with Orlando and then with Boston again. I was I was mad about that one in Orlando because I'm that's my second squad too, and I would never like Dwight Howard because of that because I saw how he left. I think he went to L.A. like right after that or something. I know he was at L.A. That man been jump jumping from oh, team yeah. to team. Yeah, so you got you got Carolina Dukes, the number one of all time. Yes. Who do you got? I can't think of nobody else off the top of my head. It's it's always competitive, like like B said. Even if they have both have horrible season, season yeah. the game is interesting to watch. Mm. Always, like I mean, I'm gonna say Stone Cold and a Rock next, but you know. <laughs> 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 but that's all different. In the rock. How is it um, Independence looking this year? How do you think they're gonna be? Oh man, they um. So we we are three and zero right now. Um, a little bit of you know hate right now because. They they paused the season due to COVID and mm-hmm. it's picking back up t- Tuesday. But um, they put so so with that like with the season being kind of um, expedited, they went ahead and seeded everybody for the division. So they put Rocky River at number one over us, um, which like the coach wasn't ha- the head coach wasn't happy about because you know when you look at our stats, uh, how much we're winning by, how much we're allowing as far as points, how much. Um, how many points we're averaging a game, like our numbers are more than like speak uh, for themselves and, and it's more than them. So we're trying to figure out how they got the number one seed and we got number two. So, mm. it, you know, it's, it's more ammunition, I would say, to to make sure that we stump on people's heads these next few games. Mm. Yeah, for um, sure. But definitely we got some solid guard play. Um, like I would say our, our we got about three guards probably averaging about uh, – 10 to 14 points a game consistently. And then the point guard, man, averaging about, like, seven, seven to eight assists a game. Like, nice. And they, they, they know how to defend. So, I, I'm definitely confident that they should probably close out the season pretty decent um, and go into the playoffs pretty deep. Sound like y'all got a nice little squad over there. Yeah, yeah. And that, to not have the height advantage like other schools have um, works to our advantage, too. Like, I, at first, I ain't going to lie, I was even a little nervous. Because I was like, man, we don't have the height. Um, like at least like when I was in school, you know, you have like a six seven kid on the other team, but I don't yeah. know if like a lot of these kids have transferred uh, to private schools because of COVID, because private schools uh, still kept their regular schedules. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if that is why, but like the other schools we've been playing, it's been like even matchups, so it hasn't really affected us at all. Question: don't, They got to play with the mask on, right? Oh yeah, man. So man, our guys I are in that's some hard. solid shape, man. Yeah. They are in solid shape to run around with those things, and and you, you get some. Some bonehead referees who are like, "Oh no, nah, masks need to come up," or they, you know, you got to sit out for a play or something like that. Do y'all allow people in the games? Like, so they uh, they do twenty five people. So essentially, the the family or really the parents of the players are, are pretty much the only ones who are able to come in. Makes sense. The cheerleaders for the home team. Um, so it, it's really it's it's weird, but. The energy is still there, if that makes sense. Like, mm. I, I don't really know where it's coming from. I guess the cheerleaders. I mean, <laughs> and and coaches. It's, I think it's a little bit of both because you got to think, even the parents be probably either working from home or be cooped up. Yeah. Like, that's probably the most exciting oh, yeah. thing mm-hmm. they do. So, oh, yeah. like, for sure. I guarantee you, I ain't been to no game. I go to a high school game, I ain't got to know none of them players. I'm like, <laughs> that's no. what I was asking. I was like, shoot, I might drive down. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I see you number 10. Go, go check <laughs> out number, B in his squad. Number 10, I'm going to start, like, getting writing signs, but, like, let's go, team. <laughs> I mean, because it's just that little excitement that we miss. Like, again, with social people. Like, we like entertainment. We wish oh, yeah. that. 
You know how bad I've been missing to go to a wrestling uh freaking uh, match or like a wrestling show. Bro, I used to do that stuff. Not not wrestling, but like just live events in general. Like even not going to these schools. Like I would still go to a Chapel Hill game. Like oh, I would I would go to an NC. I would go to UNCC game and just a lot of the time when I was staying back here when I came back here. I go out there dolo, walk y'all campus, and that go. Cats would think cats would think that I would go to the school there because like I knew so many people oh, there, yeah. and especially on game day, like I like a lot of the dudes like CMS, they would be going to UNCC, so I would right. go and see the Wither Brothers and like oh yeah, see them ball out and shit. Titus had a meal plan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I will say this, too. Like, the older I got, too, I started being comfortable going to events and stuff uh, by myself. Like, I'll, concerts maybe here and there, but, like, I go to the movies by myself. I used to go to, like, sneaker conventions and stuff like that because I could never find nobody to go to, so I go by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, even All-Star 2019 when it was in Charlotte, like, a lot of that time – I was by myself. Now, I ran into people I know. I hung out with them for a little bit, and I waited for other people I know to meet me out there. But I was like, bro, I'm not going to wait around on somebody and miss the enjoyment or the excitement because I can't do it with other people. Yeah. Like, if I can't be comfortable being by myself but still enjoying what I want to do and what I want to see, then what am I doing? Facts. I think the only thing I haven't done yet is like the big, big concerts by myself. I haven't I done that. Either. I ain't done like a Drake or like a weekend by myself. That I, just don't feel right. Like, I, I haven't done that. <laughs> that feel weird. I don't think I could do that. I will never do that. Yeah. Like I will have to like let's say if I want like front row seats or like uh, front row tickets to like a Janae concert and I only could go by myself. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I'm going, bro. A cold, I imagine. Oh, Oh, yeah. Cole, you know I'm going. You already know. I'm like, <laughs> I'll be in there by myself and be comfortable. What about you, B. Jones? Um, what's your, like, what do you listen to? Um, so I'm more like an R&B type dude. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll be on my light skin dude. Type <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> um, but he is a Kappa now. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> be setting the mood at all times. But now I, I, um, I listen to, to Drake. Uh, oh, you team light skin hard. Nah, I, listen, I mean, I listen I, to Drake. I do. Some reason I like this guy, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I like lyricists. So I'm dead. Like, I'd be lying if I told y'all I'm into the whole like, what's that? Um, Quavo and oh yeah. But I, I can't even like name the people. That's how. Right, right. right. Like I, um, but I do like some songs. Uh, what's that? Throat babies. I kind of rock with that. <laughs> <laughs> Is Drake overrated or underrated? Nah, mm. uh, I, I definitely drink think. Drake is underrated. Like he's underrated. Very, yeah, very talented man. Like, you know, from a he's a lyricist. Um, I think he actually talks about things like in his song, like it makes sense. And uh and then he can sing too, kinda in a way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean I'm a big fan. Uh Cole, like he said, I'm a I'm a huge fan of J. Cole as well. Again, a lyricist, so I, I can listen to Cole all day. Um, but like some of this new stuff, dude, I, you can it's like hit or miss. It, it'd be catchy, but I don't really feel like they're talking about anything. Do you yeah, like the baby? I, I know oh, you yeah, said you know the, a couple. The people. baby's good too. Yeah, I listen to the baby. You said you know a couple people know him too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With advance, mm. right up. Well, no, I ain't right up the street from. Well, that was right up the street from our area yeah, where we yeah. stay. But yeah, yeah, that's like UNC area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a little squad too. Y'all had the squads basketball wise. It depends what year you're talking about. Because, like, when I got there, we was okay. I think when we got when I got there, it was 2006, my freshman year. And I think they was decent. I think they had, like, Goldmeyer or whatever. And then I think another year we had, like, like one of the best dunkers ever. I remember they had, like, the college. Uh, you talking about Vance? 
Nah, I'm talking about uh, UNC Charlotte. Oh, Vance, oh, no. Oh. Uh, you talking about Vance. Vance, that Vance was known during our era. Mm. The best high school basketball teams was West Charlotte. East Mech had like a little decent team. Mm. Vance and I think North Mech. Yeah, North Mech has already always been pretty good. Because this is before like Rocky River and all them other schools started popping up. Like, you know, Independence was known for football. Yeah. Y'all were known for ball. Y'all used to be known for football. And then we stole y'all coach. Yeah. And then yeah, and y'all I mean, were known for both back in the day. And he, uh, like, I don't know what he was doing. Like, because everywhere he went, he won. Like, even he's in South Carolina now winning. It's like, dude, what are you like? Somebody told us that. I forget. Marcus told us that. Okay. I think Marcus told us that. Yeah, he he definitely moved around. Cause I remember he was at nah, Duke for a second. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was a quarterback coach. Yeah, mm-hmm. he moves around. I mean, he he whatever he do, he do it right, and he do what he loves. So yeah, nuts. Yeah, I used to love um, going to Independence versus West Charlotte games. That was like my favorite thing to do because it would never be like at either one of our schools. There would always be a Memorial State. Oh yeah. Always. That's when you know you got to put on my outfit, be flossing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be looking at them West Charlotte girls. I was like, they don't and know my me. fake chain on. Yeah, right. my fake chain, man. Walk so. around at halftime. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. be like, I'll be ready for it. Try to find something. Well, you feel look, me? Well, look, man. B, thank you for actually coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Facts, yeah, no, you, no, you kicking off Black History Month of As of Late, so... That's a big title, you know, episode 60 again, Beautiful way man. to kick it off. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if you want to share, like, your social um, media pages or anything, but if you do, it's your time to go ahead and put that out there. Oh, yeah, man. Um, well, one, thank y'all for having me. This is uh, this has been fun. Um, and if anybody wants to follow me, I'm on Instagram at bjones1911. So B-J-O-N-E-S-1911. Um, and 1911 is the year Kappa Alpha Psi was founded. Um, I was just about to ask. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's not a gun. Like somebody asked me, "Is that a gun?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> uh, but no. Nah, it, it, so B Jones, nineteen eleven. Um, not really big on Facebook. I mean, I am on there, but um, Instagram would probably be the best bet to find me, man. So before you sign off, like, the funny thing about that, did I ever tell you about that one time? I had the Austin three sixteen shirt, and this woman asked me. Austin 316, is that in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, she was like, what that mean? I remember I told somebody, I was like, oh, it's, I had to tell her, oh, it's, it's something from wrestling. When I told somebody, he was like, you should tell her, Austin 316 said, I just whooped your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Book of Austin. <laughs> this is As of Late, folks. Thanks for listening to As of Late Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to As of Late Podcast on both of those. You can also listen to As of Late Podcast on Anchor.fm and Google Podcasts. Yay! Tiger.